Okay, so we're going to continue in our first John study, Shining Light on Authentic Christianity. We're going to pick up in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. And as you're turning there, um, you know, in the first few years that Chelsea and I were married, um, when you're young, you, you don't always make the best decisions. Um, we had some friends that invited us over for dinner one night, uh, and they showed us this presentation for a multi-level marketing business. Uh, and they seemed to be doing pretty well with it. They were excited about it, um, wanted to help us uh, because they knew that we were uh, young and uh, financially not as secure as we wanted to be. And so we ended up joining. We had to pay uh, like $299 to join, and then um, you had to get other people to join as well uh, so that you could get paid. Well, as you could imagine, things didn't go very well with this. Uh, we didn't have anybody that wanted to join. And so after investing several hundred dollars into this, uh, we decided it wasn't worth it. We weren't making anything, and so uh, we, we gave up on it. A few years later, the company was revealed uh, to be a pyramid scheme and uh, and was shut down by the government. And so, you know, we, we don't blame our friends. They, they were victims as, as much as we were. Um, but we felt betrayed. We felt used. Uh, and, and we felt deceived. Um, but we learned to be better about recognizing when something just doesn't feel right. When something... You may not be able to put your finger on it. You may not be able to say, yeah, that's not, not it. But you just have this feeling that something's not right. And so we've learned to have a little more discernment. We've learned to examine everything to make sure it's right. John tells us that the same is true for the people in the church. Not everyone that is in the church is a Christian. There are people who have been members of churches for many, many years that are not Saved, they're not members of the family of God, and uh, you know, just this last week, I received an email about the front man of a of a pretty popular Christian rock band that had renounced Christianity, uh, and he is exploring other options. Um, and he's sadly, he's just the latest in a long series of Christian leaders that have left the faith. But John tells us plainly in this passage that there are people in the fellowship of the church that are not in the family of God. And so he warns his flock about the fundamental test of genuine Christian fellowship. So according to John, true believers will pass a series of tests. They'll pass the doctrinal test that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. They'll talk about, uh, they'll subscribe to the orthodox views of Christ and sin. And, and then they'll also pass the moral test that we talked about last week, that they will uh, obey the commands of Christ and they will love the church while not loving the things of the world. And so tonight, we're going to be studying, talking about antichrists. Uh, John uses this term, and so I, I think it's best for us to go ahead and up front to define what is an antichrist. And so in this, in this section, John's speaking of these false teachers, these people that he terms antichrists who have departed from Christian fellowship, they deny the Christian faith, and they deceive the Christian faithful. And this serves to underscore the need for the people of God to ensure that they are both doctrinally astute and pure. And so John uses the word antichrist several times in this passage, so it would benefit us to, to study this a little bit more. 
Uh, first of all, this term Antichrist is found only in the writings of John. In Greek, the word Christos refers to Jesus of Nazareth, the man that was born of Mary the Virgin, who walked uh, among us, who died on the cross, and who, whom the disciples claim was risen again on the third day, and, and that I believe and I hope you believe as well. Um, however, in, in this passage, John is using the prefix anti, uh, which means against or instead of. So therefore, the Antichrist refers to an enemy of Christ or one who seeks to usurp the rightful place of Christ. And so John uses these, this term in two different ways. Uh, the first usage that we're going to see as we get into our passage tonight is, is that use of a proper name. And so in, in my version here, uh, it just it doesn't say the Antichrist or an Antichrist. It just says uh, Antichrist. Uh, but in other versions that I've studied, uh, it capitalizes the A or even puts the as a as a letter as a word in front of Antichrist to determine that we're talking about a specific Antichrist, and and that refers to the coming of the the final worldly ruler that is energized by Satan and, and seeks to replace and to oppose the true Christ. He is the the Antichrist. But John's more common usage is plural, and he refers to these false teachers that were troubling John's congregations because they held to false doctrine that distorted the truth of the Scriptures and opposed Christ Jesus. And so this term, John uses it to refer to a principle of evil that is incarnated in, in these men who are hostile and opposed to God. So without further ado, let's get into our passage this evening. Let's start off by reading in verse 18. It says this, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. They did not belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. Continuing in verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. And so the first point that, uh, about Antichrist that we look at tonight is that Antichrist depart from Christian fellowship. Antichrist depart from Christian fellowship. John begins this section by saying that it is now the last hour. Throughout the New Testament, the, the phrase last days or, or last hour or end times refers to a time period between the first coming of Christ and his return, his second coming. John's original readers were living in the last days. Jesus had just left from them. And they were, were awaiting his return. And so therefore we also fall into this last days. Uh, we're waiting for Christ to return. And we live in this time of tension because there's a partial fulfillment of prophecy. When Jesus came and he, he lived and he died and he was resurrected and he was ascended, he fulfilled some major parts 
of Old Testament prophecy, yet he also made it clear that some of this prophecy would not come to pass until the time he returned. And so we live in the period of partial fulfillment. We live in that already, but not yet. John makes it clear that during these last days, there are those who are going to be against Christ. In fact, he notes that even during the short period of time that followed the earthly ministry of Christ, the church had not been around very long as John's writing this, just maybe a decade, a couple of decades. But even so, already these antichrists have risen up. There had been many antichrists. Look what he said. And you have heard that the antichrist, or my version says antichrist, is coming. Even now, many antichrists have come. Even more so in our day. As time has gone on, we've seen more and more antichrists rise up throughout history. In fact, I would, I would say that most of our world today is antichrist. And it is, in fact, John says, a sign of the last days. He says, by this we know that it is the last hour. Listen to what Jude, the brother of James the just, and also brother of Jesus Christ, said about the last days. They told you in the end time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are not worldly, not having the Spirit. As I think about that, doesn't that sound like our world right now? So while Jude was writing that passage to discuss divisions in the church as uh, as these antichrists or, or false teachers were rising up within the church, I think it applies to our culture as a whole right now. You know, there, there are people creating divisions based on the color of one's skin. We've had riots in the streets in many American cities across our country. In fact, the own, my own city here in Fort Worth, um, we've had riots in the streets and had to establish a, a, a curfew for this week. Our president has ordered the military to be activated to suppress riots. If, if the National Guard is not activated by the states, he will send in the federal. In fact, in Oklahoma, the National Guard has already been activated in both Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Neither side of this has handled this situation perfectly, nor could they because they don't have the Spirit. Notice what Jude says. These people create divisions and are worldly not having the Spirit. And so they follow their own ungodly desires. But in the end time, there will be people that create division and are worldly and don't live according to the Spirit because they don't have it. But guess what happens when one does have the Spirit? Listen to this. In in downtown Fort Worth on Monday evening, there, there was a, a, a riot taking place. It started off as a peaceful protest, and it, and it began to escalate. But one police officer walked in between the group of rioters and the line of police officers. He took a knee, and then Chief Ed Cross and Assistant Chief Julie Swearingen suddenly walked into the intersection and knelt in front of the courthouse steps. And they started to pray with protesters. And when the prayer finished... The police that were in riot gear also knelt down to the ground. The police chiefs and the leaders of the protests agreed that all would leave peacefully. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that division turns to unity. 
And this division that's taking place is a sign of the latter days. But it is only by having the Spirit, it is only by the power of God coming in, that these divisions are turned to unity. Peter tells us how to overcome. He says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. The only way that our country will be healed from this situation, the only way these so many of our churches that are experiencing division and strife and conflict will be healed is through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer. And sadly, many of these antichrists, they come from the church. They were with us, but they left from us because they did not belong to us. And the first characteristic of Antichrist is that they depart from the faithful fellowship. They arise from within the church, but then they depart from the true fellowship of God. They depart from it because they were never really part of it. They leave from it because they were always on the outside looking in. They never truly believed. You know, it's really disappointing when someone leaves the church. Um... Some of these, we've, we've spent years training. We've spent years teaching them in, in the ways of righteousness. But then they, they leave and they never return. And, and we're wondering why. But John answers this question. He makes it clear that they didn't leave because of what we did or what we did not do necessarily. Not saying that we didn't have some faults. We're human. And as a group of people coming together in a fellowship... Uh, we have many different opinions and many different thoughts and many different things that we do and don't do. But the point being, they left not because of us, but because they were never actually with us. John declared that the faithful have something that these false Christians do not have. We have the anointing of the Holy One. And he points us toward the truth. He points us toward the truth of Scripture, and he points us towards the truth's of Christ. Paul wrote this. Now it is God who strengthens us together with you in Christ and who has anointed us. He has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. You know, I, I worked in banking for five almost five years. And the way that we trained bankers to recognize a counterfeit bill was to closely study a true one, to study a genuine bill. And then we could tell if a bill looked odd or if it felt strange, and then we'd know that we needed to examine it more closely. John makes it clear that this is what we're to do in our Christian lives as well. He says, You know the truth, and no lie comes from the truth. And as Jesus said, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But notice what John continues to write here in verse 22. Who is the liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one denies, who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. 
And so we see that Antichrist deny the Christian faith. Antichrist deny the Christian faith. So this is the second characteristic of Antichrist. Uh, the greatest internal challenge of the church in all history is what people believe about Jesus. Orthodox belief says that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. He is fully God. He is fully man. But the greatest heresies in the church come from a denial or a partial denial of either of his natures. And so, in the in the early period, many tried to deny that Jesus was a human. They denied his humanity because Greek Gnostic teaching said that the body, all the things that are physical, this physical world is evil, and so we should try to escape from it. And, and so they denied that Jesus was human so that they could uh, exalt his, his deity and he wouldn't be stained by the sin of man. <clears throat> During the modern period, more recently, people have become more apt to deny his deity because human reason has been elevated to be seen as the highest authority. And so to claim that Jesus is God is to conflict with what human reason would dictate as possible or the truth. John makes it clear that the truth of the gospel is that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the God-man, that he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross in, in a substitutionary, penal way so that we could be forgiven. He took our sins upon himself on the cross as he died, and then those sins went to death with him. And then he was raised from the dead again by the power of the, uh, of the Spirit of God on the third day. And this truth, John says, contains no lie. It's not a partial truth. It is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so the ones who deny that this is the truth, they are the liars. If they deny Jesus, John says, then they have denied the Father as well. No one who denies the Son has the Father. They do not, nor have they ever, had salvation from their sin because they have denied the Son and thus denied the Father. Paul wrote it this way in, in 2 Thessalonians. The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders, and with every wicked deception among those who are perishing. They perish because they did not accept the love of the truth and so be saved. On the other hand, John makes it clear that if you do confess the Son, you also have the Father. Salvation from sin and, and a restored re a relationship with the Father comes only through the Son by the power of the Spirit. And so Jesus made it clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the Spirit testifies to this truth, and he glorifies the Son in the lives of those whom he has drawn to salvation. And so therefore the faithful must hold to the unchanging gospel. Listen to what Jude had also said, written. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. 
He made it clear that this salvation story that we received at the beginning was not one that would change over time. It wouldn't adapt to align with a Gnostic understanding of the, the human condition as, as being sinful and, and all things physical being sinful and, and evil. Nor would it con- conform to the modern denial of the supernatural and say that all things that, that are, can't be explained by science have to be untrue. But instead, he says this scripture would remain once for all. So, abide in the truth of God's word, abide in the Son, abide in the Father to receive the promise of eternal life. But herein lies the problem. Listen to how John concludes this section in verse 26. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And so our our third point here about Antichrist is that they deceive the Christian faithful. Antichrists deceive the faithful Christian, those who remain true to the gospel because they bring confusion. They try to deceive the faithful into following them and their, and their waywardness. And, and so they, they can use scripture and twist it to make it to where it, it doesn't make sense when you look at it in, in depth, but they can support their position from scripture so well the people are confused. That's what happened in in the early days of the church. When you had Arianism become so calm and so powerful because Arius could defend the idea that Jesus was a created being by quoting scriptures. But we have to be trained in righteousness. And so John challenged the church to remain faithful to, to the truth because these antichrists, they were trying to lead them astray. Listen to what Peter wrote. Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Paul makes it clear the origin of these ideas comes from He says, Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. So once again, John contrasts the Antichrist with the anointed, with the anointing. John is not denying the importance of of gifted godly teachers in the church, but he's indicating that neither those teachers nor those believers are dependent on human reason and human wisdom or the opinions of men for the truth. But instead, we are to look to the scriptures. We're to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit and we're to be encouraged that he guards us and he guides the true believer in the truth. And so the way to combat against Antichrist is by keeping the truth ever before us. Just as he has taught us the truth, we are to remain in 
the truth. John uses the, this phrase. He says that we are to be walking in the knowledge of the truth. That we are to walk in the truth. We are to walk in the truth. In John, 2 John verse 4, he says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth. In keeping with the command we received from the Father. And then he wrote in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. Therefore, persevere in faithfulness. Persevere in sound doctrine. Combat against false teachers by knowing the truth. Just as you would study, a banker would study a counterfeit bill or would study a genuine bill to, to be able to combat against a counterfeit bill, so the Christian should study the genuine truth of God's Word so that they can distinguish a counterfeit teaching, a false teaching, a deceitful teaching. And so we must, the people of God, have to be doctrinally astute. They have to be doctrinally pure. They have to walk in knowledge of the truth. They have to walk in obedience to that truth. They have to walk in love according to what has been commanded by that truth. And we have to walk in Christ by the power of the Spirit.